When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Southern Storm, a bold, liberating rock, shot through with blues, soul, and gospel. And now, your hosts for the show, Brian Jones and Jason Johannes. Welcome to another episode of the All Things Blues and Southern Rock Podcast, now on Pantheon Podcast, which provides you with plenty of shows to choose from uh, that fits your likings. Go on to Pantheon Podcast, check it out, you'll find something you love. And Jason's here too, and he can tell you that you'll find something you love because he finds something that he loves. I find something I love on Pantheon Podcasts. And something that you love, Brian, is me, right? And all oh, our sure. listeners. The <laughs> and they love you. You're the highlight reel. Highlight <laughs> reel. Find something you love. Well, of course, they love our podcast. And thanks, everybody, too, who listens every week, subscribes, downloads, follows us on social media. Uh, we're now on threads, Brian. I moved, well, Instagram now has threads, which is like Twitter even though Twitter's now called X. Anyways, so we're now on the thread. So follow us, uh, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, threads. I think that's it. I think that covers it all. We don't we don't have the TikToks yet, Brian. Yeah, I saw that we're on there, but I haven't checked out threads yet. It's, is, this like, is, this, is this like the Facebook shorts in like... No, it's, it, it is... I think it's Mark Zuckerberg because it's a Facebook thing because Instagram is part of Facebook or whatever the hell that okay. company is. It is a direct shot across the bow to Elon Musk and Twitter because it looks <laughs> and feels very, very similar to Twitter. So usually what I do is when I post our podcast or whatever to Twitter, I'll copy and paste everything and I'll paste it in the threads. And it works because Instagram is very Instagram even though that's part of threads works very visually and audio, uh, you know, audio threads is Twitter. So, so is that, is that's just, like, is that, so this is like the social media cage match between Mark Zuckerberg. Yes. And yes, that's, 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 oh, yes. You know what? You remember that old uh, celebrity death match TV yeah, show? MTV they never did it in a cage. No, but I'm kind of hoping this is celebrity death match. Uh, and it's what was what was the tagline? It was Jason Freddie versus Jason. Remember that movie? Freddie versus mm-hmm. Jason came out in the early two thousands. The tagline was "Whoever wins, we lose," or one of the taglines. And I kind of like that cage match between Elon and Zuckerberg. It's like whoever wins, 
we lose. Well, I'm, would it be like the Hell in the Cell match between the Undertaker and Mankind? So who's Ooh. throwing who off the top of the cage? That's got to happen if it's a cage match, right? Like somebody's yeah. got to get chucked off the top of the cage. <laughs> but I, you know, I love and hate social media. I, I do enjoy interacting with the, the people that follow us, Brian, and like what we do and give us suggestions on artists or comment on the stuff we do. That is great, but there's a lot of nonsense that goes on yeah. out there that I try to stay out of, and I know you stay out of that as yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, um, yeah, it's great, great for great for music stuff. Yeah, great yeah, for some new stuff, stuff. Following news, but I'm not on. I'm not on those. Great things for dog rescue stuff day. and music. Yes, exactly. So We're, now let's go back to the. Uh, that almost sounds like that should be a video game. Like the the the, 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 the cage match, the Twitter, the Twitter, Facebook cage match, video game. So you'd have to have you'd have to have someone doing voiceovers on that. You would have to have somebody doing voiceovers. Somebody, you would have to have what you would have to have somebody doing the voice acting. You would have to have somebody doing the music for it, right? And it would be heavy music, would it not? If you're doing a fighting game, it would be have to be heavy whether it's heavy southern rock or like industrial rock or maybe both hey guess what we what? have a guest we have a guest that that might talk about some of that stuff today on the podcast yes well that's funny how that kind of works and ties into what we we're talking about <laughs> hey that that you know when we're just winging it that's how it works that's how it works. We we are such seasoned pros, Brian, that we can start out about talking one thing and work it back to our very fine guest this week, whom I call a renaissance man in the entertainment industry. Wouldn't you? Would you agree? I would agree. And he says he has your name, and he likes like Jerry James Nichols. He has three names. You're talking Jason Charles Miller, and you know I didn't know much about him before, so it was great to have him on because I found out a bunch of stuff and everyone's going to hear about that bunch of stuff but I, like i wow i was just impressed he's just like rattle him off you know stuff he's done yeah and like i dig his music and you'll hear in the interview like people have asked us to check out his band out or him out and i saw them open up for fasty faster pussycat a couple months ago and they surprised me how good they were and when he talked about uh doing a song with ricky manlock and charlie star which you'll hear about really caught my attention and Brian, we thought he would be perfect for the podcast. And he was. And it was great. You know, we just give you a little bit of a spoiler there. He's done some voiceover and video games and music for. But to find out everything else that he does, you're going to listen to our conversation with Jason Charles Miller.
We're at the guest segment of the podcast, and Jason, as always, is going to introduce our guest to you guys. And it's always my pleasure. Um, our guest today, you heard in the intro, but we're talking about it now, and I always get the pleasure of trying to figure out the best way to introduce somebody in. I'm going to call you a Southern Rock Renaissance man, uh, because not only are you in the rock, you do all sorts of crazy stuff that I can't wait to talk about that kind of go in a lot of different industries. But today with us, the great Jason Charles Miller. How are you doing, Jason? Hey, glad to be here. Glad to have you. How are things in the Los Angeles area? That's where you're at, right? Yeah, well, I just got back, so I don't know for sure. I got back last night. <laughs> but, <laughs> things uh, on fire, you know, there's always yeah. fires out there. Yeah, my the hill behind my house isn't on fire, so I'm good. That's good, that's good. That's all That's all we can really hope for <laughs> these days. No fire, no mudslide, right. deal with the rest. Mm-hmm. Or earthquake. <laughs> right, there's that, that old chestnut. All right, like Jason said, you're Renaissance man. You've got a lot to talk about, but let's just like get the get the beginning out of the way first. Like, how how did you get your start in music, and how did that lead to you yeah. know being your own band or your own guy? Yeah, I mean, you know, everyone hopes for that big break, uh, and it's so hard to pinpoint, right? Like, what it is is like a series of little tiny breaks that keep happening and keep happening that lead to the next thing, that lead to the next thing, that lead to the next thing. So hopefully the things that you do along the way are what have prepared you for the next big thing. And I feel like I've had the good fortune of having that. My first two records were my like were Meet the Beatles and John Denver's Greatest Hits. That's quite, quite the juxtaposition there. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so uh, those are the ones that my parents gave me. And... From there, like I'd started singing in front of crowds when I was five or six years old. Uh, then um, in high school, I started playing in bands as early as I could. You know, uh, I was a little late to guitar. I didn't learn guitar till 14, but, uh, you know, always kind of used the guitar as a way to convey the song. I pursued, I was always a lead singer first. So, um, never went too far into being like a guitar virtuoso but uh you know use it to to for the best of my ability convey convey the song um but of course now i'm like randomly been playing guitar for like 30 plus years so i guess i'm i'm okay <laughs> um but yeah so i played clubs a lot when i was in high school like i was too young to actually be a patron at the club. This is in the, I grew up in Virginia and this was in the Virginia, Washington, DC, Maryland, Baltimore circuit. Yeah. Right. And major so metropolitan area. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tri-state its own tri-state area. Uh, if you count DC as a state, but, um, what would happen would be that I was too young. So, I was only allowed to be in the club while I was on stage. And then I'd have to immediately leave the club. I couldn't even like say hi to people afterwards or anything. Um, So yeah, that's how I got my start. And then uh, my band Blind turned into uh, uh, Godhead and we got signed to a European label first and we toured over in Europe in the nineties. We were already touring independently in in the mid nineties just as an unsigned act, which you could do back then. And that just led to bigger and bigger things. And then like a big milestone is when we 
were signed to Marilyn Manson's record label. That was a huge thing for us. And then that really opened the door for us. Obviously, we toured with Marilyn Manson. We toured on the OzFest. We toured with Linkin Park, uh, you know, Slipknot, Disturbed, Rammstein, uh, you know, in that whole group of of bands of that nature. Classic Southern rock from the 90s. Right, exactly. Classic Southern rock, you know, like, you know, you think of Skinnerd, the Almond Brothers, and Rammstein. They all go together. Yeah. No. So, but see, growing up in, but that's the thing, like, if you're in a band that's taking off and it's popular, like, that's, yeah, that's the route you're going, right? And right. I, when that started to slow down, that's when I was like, okay, I can finally be a solo artist and do something completely different. You know, Godhead was all machines and and very and very like industrial uh, rock, like Nine Inch Nails. And exactly. And all yeah, that. you you it was a, that in that whole Nine Inch Nails, uh, you know section you might say and so i wanted to do something completely organic totally separated you know uh, you can always tell if a song is good by if it's a guy just singing by himself with a guitar if the song still conveys itself to you in that way then it's a good song and i always believed that that it didn't need all the bells and whistles so then any of my solo material was all stripped down as organic as possible and then building back up to the sound that you hear today. So, your solo stuff. Was, oh, sorry, Brian. You had your hand. Go ahead. Um, so was Godhead, was that all back in Virginia that you were doing all that? And yeah. uh, I was wondering, because when I watched, you know, Dave Grohl's Sonic Highway special or th- that record that he did the songs in different studios. Yeah. Uh, you talked about DC being huge, you know, talking about the bad brains and, and punk and all that. Did that play in at all to, to your influences? <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I saw Bad Brains in concert before. I saw Fugazi in concert at the basement of a church. Dave Grohl's mom was an English teacher at my high school. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, and so when he was in Nirvana, I met him a couple of times. And his mom was always really supportive of musicians at our school. So that was a nice, uh, just cool thing. Like we played at a, every, I think it's, Every July 4th or July 3rd, they have the DC smoke out like to legalize weed. And so we played that with Dave was already in Nirvana, but his old band Scream, he came back to play a set with Scream and we opened for them at the the DC smoke out. Very nice. Very cool. That's, um, there's, that's a lot to unpack. We got to, I know. Yeah. Well, you know, and and that's not even really getting to what, to where, you know, I think I might be the only artist in history who has opened for Marilyn Manson and Alan Jackson. Right. Cause that's what I was saying. When you start doing your solo stuff, it was much more country, like singer songwriter country feel, right? So industrial metal country to hard Southern rock is how Mm -hmm. I'd like to describe you. That's a great, I, I, I love that moniker. Thank you. Uh, yeah, you know, uh, and a lot of people thought I was crazy. I just didn't want to do a new band or a solo project that sounded just like Godhead. I felt like that was too boring. I had all this music in me that I needed to get out. And, you know, growing up in the woods of Virginia, my neighbors had horses. My other neighbors had goats and pigs. Like, that's that's something in my DNA. And uh, I wanted to, like 
tap into that and and think about you know you you sit about and think about who am i who am i as an artist like what has happened in my life that uh shapes me into the person that i am today so you know i needed to get that that out hello pantheon podcast listeners christian swain here to tell you more about my experience with raycon earbuds our family now has three pairs of raycon earbuds around the house and my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price and yes she loves them now if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of raycons or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. You know, we were, we were kind of like, you kind of laugh a little bit about that juxtaposition of, of industrial and country. But I, the thing I thought of about immediately was the the records that Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers did with Johnny Cash and covering Soundgarden and covering Nine Inch Nails and stuff. And I thought so many people, the, the heavier players have mentioned having such respect for Johnny Cash. It, it makes more sense when that came into my head. Yeah, I mean, I, I loved all those American recordings that he did with Rick Rubin and, uh, uh, yeah, his cover of Hurt by Nine Inch Nails, really. That's his definitive version now, right? Even Trey Reznor said that, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because this is now a Johnny Cash song. And I <laughs> Could think be worse. The story, I think the story goes something like Rick Rubin reached out to Trent Reznor to get his blessing and Trent Reznor said no and Rick Rubin did it anyway and then sent it to Trent and he was like holy crap I can't imagine saying no to Johnny Cash wanting to cover one of your songs yeah I know I don't know maybe that you know I, I get it like Trent Reznor probably at the time was just very much in his own world and uh you know who knows and it's kind of like the opposite of what we see a lot of. So I'll go, I'll go Bob Dylan. Bob Dylan's arguably the greatest American songwriter or living or maybe of all time. But for me, when I hear other bands cover his material, I like it better. And a lot of hard rock bands or heavier bands do different versions, you know, Hendrix, Guns N' Roses, you know, and it's, you, you're a good songwriter because other bands, different styles can take your music and make it sound great. And I think it just gets what I'm getting at is I think it just shows how good of a songwriter Trent Reznor is where Johnny Cash can take that song, break it down. And he made it the iconic version that it is. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. 
So, so like, where, where did you, you, when you were doing your solo career and opening up for Alan Jackson's, when, when did you start, you know, incorporating more of this kind of like country, Southern kind of feel to your stuff? Well, I mean, right away, like, so as soon as God had started to slow down, I went full on, I started doing acoustic shows. You know, it was just me and an acoustic guitar with all this new material. I covered a few Godhead songs to kind of keep the old audience interested or to just kind of sort of show them both sides. Um, but I really did a complete 180 and, and just did that from day one. I felt like that was, as an artist, something that I had to do to really drive drive it home that this is what I want to do now. And like, I have, I have a, like, if I feel like if the music is in you and you're inspired to do that and there's a, like, it, it wasn't a business decision. It was actually a terrible business decision because I could have just made another band that sounded like Godhead and then just kept going in that, um, you know, hard rock, category circuit and just kept going you know what i mean but i basically reinvented everything and just started from scratch mm -hmm. but i mean i would i mean i it's easy to say reinvented but i didn't really reinvent i just here's another part of me that i'm inspired to do that i want to that i want to show the world how many times you do ozfest uh just the one year but i mean that okay. was i don't know how many shows how many shows yeah. What is the most interesting thing that you saw while you were part of Ozfest? Um, well, I would say the most interesting the most interesting thing that happened to me from Ozfest is not what happened at Ozfest, but what happened after. And uh, I had a friend, Sarah, who was Jack Osborne's best friend. And I was invited over to the house, um, over the Osborne house. Um, if you've ever one seen from the, the show, yeah, 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 that one. If you've ever seen the Osbournes, I'm actually in episode one. What? I'm clean shaven, but <laughs> I'm in episode one. I happened to be there that night when they were filming. They filmed, they filmed almost every night there, and but one of the nights that after the crew went home. I found myself alone on the couch with Ozzy. And this was right before his album Down to Earth was about to come out. And he said to me, um, have you heard my new album? And I said, well, no, because it's not out yet. And he goes, well, let me play it for you. So he rummaged around for a while, found this burnt CD, because this was in 2002, right? Yeah. He found this burnt CD put it on and I'm thinking to myself, okay, cool. Like he's going to play me some songs off the new album. He's probably going to skip around or something. No, he played me the entire album from beginning to end. And he sang along to every song. Wow. And it was just me and Ozzy sitting on his couch and Ozzy singing. And I'm like doing everything I can not to freak out, but I'm just like, okay, this is, happening and you know i after that night i was like well i can pretty much die now and 
like nothing ma- like this is the pinnacle like i've i'm now can do anything that i want because, you got a private like, concert from ozzy yeah exactly i just got i just got a private concert from ozzy osbourne on his couch and my life is complete so now everything else is just icing it's been it's been all downhill since that one <laughs> <laughs> But it's actually been great because I've just been up here ever since that day <laughs> for like twenty years. Very high, yeah. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just having, I'm just sailing up here. I'm still sailing from that night. And the only way that I can prove that I that that happened because everyone was gone at that point. It was just me and him. And the only way that that story is even a little bit believable is just the fact that it's pr- there is proof that I was there at that house. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I can never prove that that happened, but it really did. I'm going to Brian. I'm going to the YouTube's tonight to see if yeah, I can't yeah. find a clip of that. And, and well, he doesn't look anything yeah. like that guy. This guy has a beard. We just talked to. Yeah. No, I'm wearing an Edward Scissorhands T-shirt. I still have this tattoo. You can match the tattoo. Okay. <laughs> we'll post on our social media screenshots of what you look like now versus the. Yeah. <laughs> For anybody doubting Jason's story, no, that's pretty mm-hmm. awesome, man. That's that's a great story. Yeah. We always we always ask people like interesting or something that sticks out from tours or whatever and i'm always intrigued by what people say and but, a private concert from ozzy brian is probably up there towards the top of what we've heard so far ozfest in general though was really fun it was like a summer camp for bands you know yeah. uh i also remember we had I, we were on that was the year that they had three stages and we were the last band on the third stage but we had five minute changeovers. So we actually wow. had a rehearsal day for changeovers and uh, five minute changeovers is insane, right? Yeah. Like to, full, everything, drums, amps, everything, five minutes, but like with everyone working in tandem, we did it. And uh, if you didn't, you had this huge guy yelling at you the entire time. <laughs> it was like a big, it was like a drill instructor was just, yelling I figured at Sharon would come out to yell at you yeah not not to the second and third stages no okay, oh, okay, okay, gotcha. yeah <laughs> that's the main stage shit so how did you do that with the drums did you guys all have to run and take pieces of it or was or did you have oh man yeah everybody was just waiting with a piece you know yeah. and then the yeah. other band had to do the same thing like just grab 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 you know lord have mercy well well, how do you go from Ozfest to doing your great music? Here, here's a Jason Charles Miller. Are, is this a band, or is it, you consider yourself a solo artist? Because you you have a really great live band. Yeah, I love everybody in my band. Um, I'm, I mean, I'm a solo artist, but okay. I have had a good lineup now for a long time. So, like everyone that you saw that night has been with me for a long time. Although uh, it was a fill-in drummer for that tour, but he, he's been a friend of mine for 20 years, so it's like he was family already. But uh, my band is definitely uh, the band that I've chosen to represent my sound and me and everything. Yeah, because you guys were, I saw you opening up for Faster Pussycat in Columbus, and you guys really caught my attention, you know. I was like, man, who is this? And, of course, Brian and I do this Blues and Southern Rock podcast. I'm like, shit, these guys are like, I said earlier, hard Southern Rock. Like, this is good stuff. And I'm pretty sure, Brian, some point, somebody at Twitter or Instagram sent us a message saying, check out Jason Charles Miller. Mm-hmm. And I always meant to get around to it, but I'm actually glad I heard you guys play live before I checked out any of your studio stuff because you guys were such a powerhouse live band. Not that your Thank recordings you. are bad, but it was like just, you know, three guitarists, right? You've got your lead, you got a rhythm, you play guitar, just a 
just a killer, killer group. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, that's really, yeah. The, the lineup that I have right now, I think really represents like where I want my sound to be and, and, uh, you know, where, where we want to take it, like for the next album and everything. Are they all LA players or are they people you kind of picked up throughout your career? Across they the live in LA, but only one is from LA. Allie Kay is the only one who grew up in LA. Um, uh, our drummers from New York, our other guitar players from Rhode Island, our bass players from England. Uh, and then my other drummer, who is normally our, our number one guy, he's from Brazil, but we all ended up in LA. Oh, wow. Well, really? Yeah. So we met in LA. It's very cool to hear that you played with Ozzy. We didn't know that or you hung out with Ozzy and you kind of played with Ozzy. So he's singing to you. Um, on Ozfest. And Ozfest. Yeah, well, on Ozfest, technically we op- we could say yeah. we opened for him, even though there were probably like 15. You're part of the Ozzy family. <laughs> but you know, the one, the one person that we do know that, that you did a song with, or a couple of the guys you did a song with, and we're both wearing Blackberry smoke t-shirts and Charlie's been yeah. on twice. Word on the street is he's coming on again. And uh, how did that come about with, with you and him and Ricky Medlock for old scarecrow? Yeah. So actually when I was in Godhead is when I met Ricky and we had the same publicist and she introduced us and thought we would get along because also because Ricky has done some acting and my side, my side job is that I'm a voice actor. I've been in over a hundred video games. I'm in a ton of anime commercials. I narrate audio books. Um, that's, you know, my, my, I call it my side job, but actually it probably pays more bills than music most of the time. <laughs> um, but yeah, so uh, because Ricky was interested in acting, she and I was already doing a lot of voice acting, she thought we would get along. And like, we've been friends ever since. I met Charlie separately uh, through a mutual friend and, you know, became a Blackberry Smoke fan instantly. Mm-hmm. Ricky told me about this song that he and Charlie had started called Old Scarecrow. And uh, he sent me an early demo tape of it. I added a bridge, completed the song, my version, then asked yep. asked Charlie and Ricky to asked Charlie to sing on it, Ricky to play on it. And so that was on my 2018 album in the Wasteland. Then Charlie let me know that they were gonna record a Blackberry Smoke version, very different from mine. I mean, the choruses are the same. Mm-hmm. Um and um, if I if I didn't mention it, Stuart Carreras finished that version with me. Um, and so then uh, the version that's on Blackberry Smoke's album is obviously very different. But he was like, this is in no way, uh, you know, a diss of your version. We just wanted to do it our way. I'm like, yeah, man, awesome. So Stuart and I are considered co-writers on both versions, like in the, you know, in the the world of royalties, which was cool because, you know, they didn't use to, they use a little bit of my version toward of the ending, but uh, it, they're very much like two versions of the same song. It's, it's a pretty interesting way. They, I, I love kind of where they both fit and sit. And since Charlie's singing on both versions, like clearly he's okay with it's my that version. bridge between the two, you know? Yeah. 
And that caught my attention when I saw you guys, because you brought that up like, hey, you know, you guys know a band, Blackberry Smoke. I did the song with Ricky Mellock and Charlie Starr. And then I was like, fuck, that's old Scarecrow. And like, I remember after the concert and Brian and I were doing a podcast, I brought I brought that up and was talking to him. I was like, we got to get Jason Charles Miller on. Not only is he a kick ass band, that's that's great. But dude, he's got a Blackberry Smoke connection, too. Like they did a song together. Yeah. Your yeah, version's great. When you Your have him back like on, the- you gotta, you gotta, you gotta tell him uh, that I was on. When you have him, he knows you're on for sure. Yeah. Oh, does he? Okay, cool. Yeah, you bumped him. <laughs> what? No way. <laughs> we were trying to make a time work out this week, and it it really wasn't. So we 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 cemented you as the slot just because his time was unsure. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but you could tell him next time you saw him that you bumped him on a podcast. All right. <laughs> I will. I think I'm going to see him in September. They haven't been out in LA since, uh, you know, before the pandemic. So I'll be happy to see them out here on the West coast. We Just were crossing a, paths on that tour. We were on with faster pussycat. We were playing the same cities like days apart. Damn. Yeah. Well, how about when he played the whiskey when he was filling in with the crows? Yeah, that was that was really cool. Yeah. Were you around then, or were you out doing your stuff? No, I was around. Um, but I, I was around, and I know the owner of the whiskey, and I still couldn't get in. Oh, <laughs> shit. Yeah. That was like yeah, locked down. Yeah, Every yeah, single yeah. person had, and because he was filling in for the crows, he couldn't get me in. You know yeah. what I mean? Like it yeah. was just like uh, that was the hottest ticket in town. That performance was amazing, though. He, his tone and his feel, just matched so well. Like he's right there with Mark Ford on some of the stuff that he was playing. Oh yeah, just incredible. Just incredible player. But going back to Old Square Crow, your version is great. Your version is definitely like more of a punchy in the mouth type of version. Theirs is more sitting in the back of a truck drinking a, a beer, but they're both great. And I love the fact that you guys did these together and we have these two different versions of the song. And man, that really caught my attention when you guys played it live. It was, it's, again, can't speak enough to you and your band, just how, how impressed I was when I saw you guys. Thank you. I love that people are still discovering my version now mm-hmm. too. And obviously since Charlie sings on it, I think anyone that hears it knows there's gotta be a story behind this, you know? Yeah, and like, what kind of is it a story of how you guys got him to sing on, or is the story of the actual song itself? Like, where did Old Scarecrow come from? Yeah, yeah. How'd you get that gig with Faster Pussycat? Well, I've known Tammy for twenty plus years, and uh, he was paying attention to what I was doing and thought it could work, and I thought it could work too. We're we're currently on the same uh, we're currently on the same record label, which is a label called Golden Robot Records out of Australia. Mm-hmm. I mean, they're an international company, but their headquarters are in Australia. So, being on the same label, kind of, we have more things to talk about recently, you know. And um, having the same management helped, but I felt like if if you know everybody puts all these bands that were at their height in the eighties in the same category. Right. But if you think about faster pussycat sound, it's very blues based. It's more blues based than a lot of bands from that era. Mm -hmm. Yep. Right. 
Uh, and so since my sound is also blues based, I really felt like it could work. And uh, that night in Columbus and the other 24 shows beyond that really made it. I, I think it worked probably as well as it possibly could. The The audience was so supportive and um, I, I sold over double of the merch that I thought I was going to sell. So that's you had a, a big line because I was going to go talk to you and introduce myself and talk about the podcast. But you had so many people and I'm like, I'm not going to bother this guy who's selling his stuff and like interacting with fans just to talk shop. Thanks. Yeah, that's the thing <laughs> that when you're the opening band, man, you sell your own stuff. You yeah. know, you're down in the trenches because uh, there's not a whole lot of wiggle room budget wise to have a bunch of crew people. So right. you just you got to do it all yourself. But you I had a big gas line there, though, man. I kept looking over to for my chance and hope there's just people after people. <laughs> so you mentioned you, that you've known Tammy for 20 years and just it made me think that we might have a mutual friend, maybe two. One that wasn't in Pussycat, but uh, Ace, Van, uh, Ace Von Johnson. You know Ace at all? I know Ace. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And then we had Adam Adam Hamilton on, who of course does drums on the LA Guns records. He, I don't know Adam, yeah, but I do know Ace. So okay. you know Sam Bam Colton, who we've had on the podcast as well, because he was playing Pussycat. Yeah, and he actually also has played with me. So there what? was a show where my who doesn't he play with? <laughs> yeah, he plays. <laughs> does, does that yeah. kid sleep? <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, but yeah, it was it was a one show at the Whiskey. Uh, Gary, my regular guitar player, wasn't available. And so uh, Sam did it. It was awesome. Right on. He's like a savant. Like he can just do <laughs> anything. Yeah. <laughs> That's why I was there. Sam left me tickets to go to the show. I was like, fuck yeah, I'm going to go. Like it's, I live in Columbus. I like Pussycat. And I thank you, Sam, for doing that. And I'm again, I got to see you guys kick some ass on the stage. Yeah, thank you, Sam. So, what uh, what commercials have you done voiceovers in? Uh, Pop Tarts. Okay. Yep. Uh, Classic. <laughs> Sketchers, oddly. Right. Yeah. Uh, a bunch I don't remember. <laughs> <laughs> well, how do you get how do you get those gigs though? Like, how do you get into voice acting? Yeah. Well, actually, uh, I. In between tours, I actually, with Godhead, I wrote a song for a Pop-Tarts commercial and then sang in the, sang in the commercial. But be, because it was, in, it was a national commercial, I was eligible to join the Screen Actors Guild. So I thought, you know, I'm here now. I live in Hollywood. I live in L.A. This could be something that I could do on the side. So I took some voice acting lessons and the very first voice acting job I got was in a, an anime called Helsing, which was about uh, vampires. And the guy that gave me uh, the, the, the shot was, uh, his name's Taliesin Jaffe, and he was a Godhead fan. So he was a fan of my music, gave me a shot at, at doing anime. And then from there, I started getting more and more bookings. I started getting an agent. And I've been doing it for 20 years. Pop-Tart commercial. So were you hired or did you just randomly write a Pop-Tart commercial and send it in? We were being like, the, there was a, our publisher at the time recommended this company that sort of like booked musicians into commercials. 
Okay. That, that was your in. So my yeah. son, who's now 20 years old, loved the Batman, the Brave and the Bold. And we watched the shit out of that. Who I see you have a voice acting credit for that show. Who did you who did you do? What did you cover in that? I was in an ep- I was in the Uncle Sam episode. So I was Doll Man and I was also Black Condor. Okay. Dolphin and Black Condor. That was part to... of Uncle Sam's Freedom Fighters. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. That show, actually, I know, you know, everybody always compares everything to Batman, the animated series, rightfully so, because it's probably the best depiction of Batman we've seen on the screen. But for such a 90-degree turn from that, Batman, Brave and the Bold was really well done, very funny. And for a uh, jaded adult like myself, I loved the hell out of it. <laughs> I think it was more that that uh, Brave and the Bold I thought was more of like a nod to the Adam West Batman. Yes, yes. You know, it had that vibe to it. Yeah, they were in on the joke about themselves for sure. Mm -hmm. Yeah, but it just made it enjoyable to watch, and all the different characters. Like Aquaman was amazing because he was so, and you know, he he thought so highly of himself, ego centric egotistical that he was funny and you know yeah it was just great so i could not go by and not talk to you and ask you about that so i can tell my son and then we can go back and watch it for nostalgia's sake okay great yeah uh, can we talk just a few minutes about your latest record cards on the table sure i'd love to how did that all come about and so a lot of those songs i put together over the pandemic um and I, some of them I recorded before, some of them I finished during, and I wanted to um, just get something out. So uh, I, I put out these two EPs called From the Wreckage, part one and part two. And then the guys from Golden Robot approached me and said, hey, why don't we put those together as one album and then we'll re-release them uh, and promote it properly. And, uh, and I was all for it. But yeah, a lot of those songs were ones that I had kind of sitting and waiting around to do something, you know, when I was supposed to be on a tour, on a plane, right when everything got locked down. And in LA, you know, we had really strong lockdowns. Yeah. So I had two I had that tour cancel. I had another tour cancel. And then I was supposed to go to the UK and then they changed the COVID rules at the last minute. So then I would have, I was supposed to be sequestered for four days and then take it. Like I, I would have missed like half the tours. So things kept getting canceled. So I started streaming on Twitch and I started doing acoustic concerts on Twitch twice a week and just taking requests and just kept adding more and more songs to my request lists and uh that was something that i was able to do and i still do it if i'm not on tour i'm on twitch every monday and wednesday from seven to nine pacific just playing acoustically because it keeps my chops up it keeps my voice active and i mean i i had other musician friends that were so depressed that they were like i'm not even looking at a guitar right now and i and i respected that too but for me i couldn't i couldn't stop so I already have um, four songs for the next record recorded and um, I have a lot of music, you know, on the, in the pipe, ready to go. Estimate, what's your estimate on that next record coming out? 
I think that kind of depends on what's going to happen with with the promotion for this record, but I would think yeah. next year for sure. Well, uh, let us know. We'd love, you know, come back on and definitely market yeah. your uh, your stuff there and we can talk more about your we're not going to get to everything in your career in an hour cuz I'm like looking Oof. at all my notes and I'm like I <laughs> it's 45 minutes in I haven't like scratched the surface of everything that'd be cool all the cool shit that you do um I feel really fortunate because um I I have a lot of fingers and a lot of pies but they're all in under the entertainment bubble you know yeah and and what I was surprised to see and like since I really started following on social media is you're big in the gaming industry yeah. i you know is that from i guess because why how did you get into that and like what makes you so so big i guess on, on that industry because you're at cons and doing all this stuff all the time yeah well there's a lot of crossover between people that play video games and people that play dungeons and dragons and and mm -hmm. uh uh tabletop role-playing games which i'm well, heavily Dio was the ultimate guy he did music and he was dungeons and dragons i know i know <laughs> I was really happy that uh, we played the Dio Cancer Benefit uh, concert this year, and Wendy already invited us back for next year, so that yes. that was really cool. And then in when I was in Florida, I I did a an event called D and Dio, and we raised <laughs> we charged money to play D and D, and then and then raised money for the Cancer Foundation. So that was really cool. <laughs> um, I'm gonna, and then I reached out to the folks at D and D, and they said that next year we could stream it like on their official channel. So we're we'll, we're gonna raise a lot of money for for uh, cancer research, hopefully. Which um, is great. Which is great. But yeah, yeah, like, how did you really train? You know, well, that's the thing. Like, it 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 so uh, right place, right time. You know, yeah. and for a lot of these things, and for like for organizers knowing knowing me already so just sort of being out there in the scene and knowing people and being at the right place at the right time and having someone recommend me for something i sing three songs in the final fantasy 14 soundtrack yep. which right now final fantasy 14 is the most subscribed sorry is the most subscribed video game in the world and last weekend at the Las Vegas Convention Center, I sang those songs in front of 15,000 people. Um, wow. It's, it's an amazing, amazing phenomena. And I've just gotten really lucky. And so 10 years ago, I sang on the Metal Gear Rising soundtrack, which then, um, uh, and it, it, you know, led me to be on this soundtrack. But then I have three songs that I co-wrote and sing on for Cyberpunk 2077, the Keanu Reeves video game. Yeah. And the way that came about was the music supervisor, uh, I wrote a song with his wife oh, I, at, at some point, and uh, her name is Amanda Mosier. She's an Americana artist, but she was in a band called Calico. And, you know, it, it's just like people knowing different people, uh, so that is a side project that I have that actually sounds a lot more like Godhead used to sound called Rezodrone. And we were hired by Blizzard recently to do six remixes to promote the video game Diablo 4. So I'm like, I'm always working on that stuff because one, I live in LA and have you seen the rent prices? <laughs> you know, and two, just because, uh, you know, 
the person that hired me for that knew me from a web musical that I wrote some songs for eight years earlier and now works at Blizzard. I mean, it's all, it's just being around and doing good work and showing up on time and, and I guess being likable, hopefully. Professional. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, do you have time for a quick lightning round? I do, but before we do the lightning round, Brian, I wanted to tell you my yeah, Jacksonville, Jacksonville story. Oh, Jacksonville yeah. Jaguar right. connection. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So yeah. Um, speaking of uh, the gaming community, so there's a very, very popular uh, show on Twitch called uh, Critical Role. And it's the number one Dungeons and Dragons show in the world. In fact, it's so popular that they um, even Amazon, they did a deal with Amazon and now they have a cartoon about their show called The Legend of Vox Machina. And so I I wrote the theme song for their first campaign and for their second campaign. So it was about seven years I co-wrote the theme song to that show. And the wrestler Brandon Cutler was also a fan of that show. He's a D&D player. So he reached out to me to write his theme song, his like coming to the ring theme mm-hmm. song. And when I uh, was sent the paperwork for it, I guess AEW wrestling was in such early days that uh, it actually was on Jacksonville Jaguars uh, uh, paper, you know, head, what do you call it? The like, like head letter, head letter. Yeah, the, the owner of the Jags, his son owns AEW. Right. Yeah. They, so they shoot I got, everything in Jacksonville, don't they? Yeah. If they're not on, if they're not on the road all through the pandemic, they shot it. They they sh- shot it. At, um, <laughs> <laughs> they shot it. Sorry. They shot it at uh, in in the where the Jacksonville Jaguars play. Right. And yeah, then right. Um, now they're traveling again. But it was really cool to get this paperwork with the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, letterhead at the top. Mm-hmm. So right I still have that. That is, uh, you, we had Alan Paul on a couple weeks ago, the writer journalist to talk because he has a new Allen brothers book out. And we ca- kind of joked and called his career very Forrest Gumpian because he just was at the right place. Right. You're also very Forrest Gumpian. I like everything's happened for you. I you think know? you're right. I've never thought about it that way, but I think you're right. I mean, you're, 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 you're totally right. <laughs> you know, when they do the Jason Charles Miller story, we're going to have the Aussie singing to you on the couch. We're going to have all the, you know, all the gamer stuff, all the rock stuff. And it's going to be, it's just going to be like all those, all those points in history. But I mean, don't get me wrong. I play these games. I've played Dungeons and Dragons since I was 10 years old. So the fact that like I'm involved with that now and stream that and and I've written music directly for Dungeons and Dragons for their YouTube channel and their Twitch channel. And, uh, you know, it's I'm the genuine article like that's just part of me. So uh, same with you know video games and all that so i think people also see that for as much as you can see the authenticity that yes i did grow up in the woods of virginia in the middle of nowhere i also really like nerdy things too you didn't take it to heart of that tom hanks movie where it was about the dangers of dungeons and dragons you remember that guys you guys remember that came out mazes and monsters mazes and monsters yes (laughs) you know what's Through Dungeons and Dragons, I've hung out with and I'm friends with Joe Manganiello, but I also hung out with Vince Vaughn and um, 
uh, Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine. Oh, like, I know Lord. Tom Morello from Rage Against the Machine, not from music, but from the fact <laughs> we both play Dungeons and Dragons. <laughs> there How is funny a, is like, that? Yeah, I see, Brian, I see stuff all the time. There's like a celebrity subculture of gamers, and like whether mm-hmm. tabletop games or video games. And I think, and Jason, you could probably correct me, is like we're all very close to the same age here. It's our generation was like really the home video game, Dungeons and Dragons, the tabletop stuff really came to, I guess, its peak popularity when we were all young. Mm-hmm. You know, and yeah. we, we are now we're adults with jobs and responsibilities and we still do it. Yep. The geeks have inherited the earth. <laughs> <laughs> All right, I'm ready for the lightning round. Brian, the catchphrase, please. Jason, is it that time of the show? It is It is that time. Jason, it's not to you. It's to this other Jason. To me. Okay. Like one out of every three boys born in the 70s named Jason. Our parents thought they were so unique. Right, mine too. And I had I went to a small rural elementary school and I had two other Jasons in my grade, like three Jasons in a class, like 70 kids. Wow. Go freaking figure. Yeah. All right. What was your first concert you ever went to? Heart. Oh, badass. Where'd you see them? Uh, at the Baltimore Civic Center. I begged my dad to take me. Fuck, that and then he saw their picture you. and was like, of course I'll take you. <laughs> <laughs> yes, son. This is your activity. We will go. <laughs> uh, what's the first guitar you ever owned? Uh, I still have it. It's a Fender Squire. Oh, so you started out electric first. Fender Strat Squire. Yeah, I learned on electric, then acoustic later. Interesting. Okay. Uh, First video game console? Uh, The Atari 2600, as it was called. Yes. Back then, it was just called the Atari. Yeah. Brian, was that you too? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, What was both your guys' favorite games on the Atari 2600? Brian, what was yours? Did you have one? Uh, maybe Miss Pac-Man. That came a little later. Yeah. Jason, Mine you can play on one ghost. <laughs> what was yours? Pitfall. Yeah, oh, Pitfall. Yeah, Pitfall. Everybody loved Pitfall. Did you Did you try to go through it and earn points, like which was yeah. supposed to be the game, or did you just try to run and see how far you could get before time went? No, I tried to earn points because if you, if you got a certain number of points, you could get a patch. If you took a picture of your TV. Oh. Yeah, yeah. My patch, so I, I got it, and then I remember my dad was at a dinner or something, and so I got it while he was at a dinner, and you know this is back when like we didn't have cameras on our phones, so like I had to wait for my dad to get home to get a camera to take a picture of the <laughs> TV to then get it developed to then send it into Activision to get the patch, but I did get it. You had to protect the Atari with your life so nobody unplugged it. Right, so nobody reset it or anything. Just hold it on the screen until somebody gets home. Having that fancy saving on video games that you got now. Right. Oh, good Lord. Uh, What is the greatest home video game console of all time? I'm going to have to go with Sega Genesis. Ooh, interesting choice. Because that was like at a moment in my life in uh like high school going into college that i just really got into video games from playing altered beast and fantasy star those were my two games that i played the most on the sega genesis interesting so i 
I don't disagree with you, the Genesis, and I would say either the original NES or Sega Genesis, but most of the people that pick the Genesis, like if I go to the Genesis route, it's because of the sports catalog, the original Madden, NHL hockey, which was phenomenal, you know, all of that. So I played the crap out of Madden for sure. Dude, that we, we played the shit out of the NHL hockey, like first one in 92, 93, when they finally started having actual player names and just the sports yeah. games were unbelievable on Genesis. Yeah, and I mean, and and it was unprecedented. So you were just like, "Wow, I can be, you know, Eric Dickerson and have him yeah. run for a touchdown." Like, how yeah. cool is that? You know? Yeah, Brian, did you play sports games too? Did you go with the Genesis? Uh, you know, my brother used to kick my ass on the Atari Twenty Six Hundred, <laughs> so I kind of like. After that, well, that I didn't sucks. play until the roomy days in the early nineties. I think that was like Nintendo Mario Kart. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like the Super Nintendo, so that's or about Nintendo it, basically. 64. Okay. All right. Yeah, just such nostalgia for those early game consoles. Yeah. And the Nintendo games are hard as shit, right? Like those games were just brutalized you. Good lord. Yeah. All right. We'll go back to go back to music right now. What's your favorite place to play a show? You mean like what kind of venue? Yeah, or- like you have a favorite club or theater oh. or just you know like well, like well i mean i'm definitely like, great i'm definitely partial to the 930 club in washington oh, dc, DC. Mm-hmm. and i know that that keeps winning awards so uh, good for them it's just such a great place to play and it's a great place to see a show um i did really enjoy the king of clubs in columbus they've done a great job there if i'm thinking of places that we played on this tour that felt really like just good and big um and it was nice like i we were talking to everybody before you're listening but before we got recording and that place well one that place is kind of, not the club but that area is a dump but when i was just got out of college in the late 90s that was a happening nightlife area there were shops restaurants all these clubs and it's sort of as the downtown arena district where the hockey arena and all that stuff is kind of built up that died but when I went there to see you guys, it's the first time I've been to King of Clubs. And I'm like, you know, I know it's in the continent. Like, what's this going to look like? And I got there and I walked in. I was like, holy shit, this place is really nice. Nice bar, lighting, like the bathrooms were nice. I could not believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Sound was good. It looked like the stage was like very roomy. Nobody was cramped up there. Yeah. It's always nice when you have a big stage like that to do a lot of room and just jump around and stuff. Jumper, and then I, like immediately after that, I saw Samantha Fish and Eric Johansson play, and I was like, I'm just like, I'm gonna go back. I'm gonna go see uh, Brother Kane and Jared James Nichols. I think in November. I just, it's, a, I was, I was expecting to get stabbed or shot, and I came out of there going, <laughs> man, I've got, I've got to come back. I'm gonna come back to this place. Yeah. No, that whole area <laughs> is really nice where that club is. Yeah, they they've done like it went downhill, and they've done a lot to work up that area because it's it's in a very prominent area of Columbus, like two seventy and one sixty one, two major roadways. So it, it made sense, but I just know it kind of it's, it had seen better days at one point. Yeah, cool. Um, where is a place that you aspire to play one day? I mean, I'd love to play Red Rocks. I mean, I know course, it'd be yeah. opening yeah. for somebody, of course, but it would still be amazing. So I don't know. You take this uh, Final Fantasy. Um, thing out like there's like aren't you supposed to go to japan and play like a big symphonic the to well we so i did that in december but 
in January, FanFest Tokyo is at the Tokyo Dome. Oh. 55,000 people. So that's going to be. Does that intimidate you? You know, you paid for, well, for 50,000. Here's what I say. Here's what I say to people. See, once you see the first thousand people, the next 20,000 don't matter because you don't see them. <laughs> that's true with the lighting and everything. Yeah. What is the craziest thing that you've seen, though, performing from the stage? Oh, man. I mean, I've definitely seen fights. Um, yeah. You know, oh, man, that's tough. I'm trying to think of what I've seen from the stage. Um, maybe uh, at one of the Ozfests, it, it was raining, and so it, it just became a mud fest. And everybody started slinging mud at each other and mud at us. And, <laughs> you know, it was just a free for all of mud. Ugh. Um, I'm going to word association. I'm going to give, throw your word out there. You're going to, you're or words, I should say. Cruising for a bruising. Yeah. Disney. <laughs> I, I have often... an 18 year old daughter, Jason. I, Yes. I mean, talk about Forrest Gump, right? Like, it was a thing where my friend Mitch Allen was writing all these songs for Disney, and I was joking, like, you know, you got to get me on one of those Disney songs, dude. And so one day he was like, hey, do you want to be in on one of these Disney songs? And then it turned out to be the the highest selling uh, song of my career. I have a platinum record from that. And I joke, I'm like, the most – the the most successful song of my entire career is probably the stupidest song I've ever written. <laughs> I, that song is from Teen Beach Movie. And my daughter, who's now 18, but when that came out, I, I don't know, she's 10, 12, whatever. Perfect age. We were, on, we were on vacation in Florida with my wife's brother. He has a bunch of daughters around the same age. And we had to we had to leave dinner at a restaurant early to get back to the house so all the girls could watch Teen Beach movie. That's <laughs> and awesome. that song, it, it's a good song because it sticks in your brain and makes you crazy. It's very catchy. Yeah, and like I'm hearing it in my head right now, just talking about it. It's got that well, I guess that's like the mark of a good song. It. <laughs> it is. You bastard. And it's so funny because. Guys that I, like wouldn't that I couldn't get songwriting appointments with. Yeah. Like once that song came out and that was popular, all of a sudden I was getting songwriting appointments with them. I, well, we contributed to your platinum album, just so you know. We've got that CD floating around here somewhere, hopefully in a box Thanks. hiding. From, yeah, you're welcome. Thank my daughter. I had nothing to do. <laughs> oh my god brian i can hear the song in my head it won't it's, it's just it's you know i'm gonna have to go find it and then it'll be in my head too so it, it will won't be like, alone it, the whole premise <laughs> of that movie is present day kids get transported back in time to like a 50s or 60s yeah. beach movie mm -hmm. and the cruising for a bruising has that very doo-woppy like pop sound that came it's like johnny be good cross with the time warp yes <laughs> yes <laughs> that's a good but that's amazing. So you've affected my kid, both of my kids' life, Jason. Both like this is the first artist we've had on Brian that have affected my children. Nice. <laughs> I don't know if that's you know. Be proud, I suppose. All right, getting back to stupid questions. What is the greatest cartoon theme song? 
Oh, it's got to be uh, G.I. Joe. Oh, that was I what mean, a think cartoon. about it. It even has those key changes and stuff, but it just it 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 lays it all out there for you of what it the is. show is about. <laughs> it is, and it makes you inspired to you know kick evil's ass when you listen mm-hmm. to it. Did you have you heard the version from GI Joe the movie? Uh oh, you mean the one with like uh John Johnson and all that? Like yeah, no, know? I haven't. I haven't. It, it's weird. Look it up on, on YouTube. It it starts out with a very Cobra-centric theme before it goes to the classic G.I. Joe theme song. Okay. I will. Could To be a successful cartoon in the 80s, though, you had to have a kick-ass theme song, right? Right. And it usually needed to explain exactly what the cartoon was about. Yes. We didn't have time for expo- ex- exposition in a 22-minute no. commercial to sell a toy. Your theme song has to tee everything up. What about Mask? Mask was always one of my favorite theme songs too. That's a kick-ass. Yeah, with the, with the, that was the one with like the the cars, right? The cars, have, yeah. yeah. The cars kind of transformed into an ulterior, you know, vehicle, and then they had these special masks that can do uh, things. Jace and the Wheeled Warriors. Yeah, that was another good theme song. And of course, like I'm sure you and I were both partial to that one. So the guy's name was uh, Jace. That's right. I I think I had one or two of the toys, perhaps, maybe mm-hmm. even at, at one time. Uh, Transformers, Thundercats, Silverhawks. Yeah. I mean, gummy what, bears. Stick them in Disney. One of the cool moments, one of the cool feather in my cap as a voice actor is I got to voice Optimus Prime in a what? video game. In a video Which game. One? Yeah. So World of Warships, they had a Transformers crossover. So if you play World of Warships, um, when the Transformers are in that game, it's I'm Optimus Prime. Holy shit. I got to get on the Brian, mic, but it's like, you know. <clears throat> this guy has done everything. He's, he's insane. It, I can't let you go, though, before I got to talk about something. So my okay. friend, my friend Matt, loved the TV show or the web series The Guild. I was never, yeah. I never really watched it. But I myself am a huge fan of Mystery Science Theater 3000. And there's a person that is in both of those, Felicia Day. You mm-hmm. did some. You did a song with her for the Guild TV series. Yeah, right? I did a song with her for the Guild called Game On. Uh, then we did a duet together called Gamer Girl Country Boy. Country, if you haven't yes. seen that, you got to check I out. I watched the video <laughs> today. <laughs> okay, great. Yeah, it's super fun. And, and I sent it to my uh, friend Matt. And he's like, who is this guy? I'm like, well, we're interviewing him. He's like, All right, you know. She's a huge reason why I have such a good career in the gaming world, too, because she did a lot of introductions for me and hired me to do a lot of things for her various companies. And that was mainly due to the fact that um, a guy named Greg Aronowitz, who is the production designer for the Guild, but also is a great director in his own right, uh, he directed me in a sci-fi channel movie called Battle Planet. We became friends, and then he recommended me to produce some music for Felicia Day, and then the rest was history. And then I was even in a couple episodes of The Guild in season five. That was really neat. I I knew she could sing because of Mystery Science Theater. She's she's been on the new seasons. But then I watched the videos, the one with you two, which is fun. It's very funny. It's super creative, really well done. Um, and then some other songs that she did for the guild, like she's, she's really talented. Yeah. And then, uh, uh, she was in a musical called Dr. Horrible, 
with um, sing along yeah with yeah, uh, dr uh, horrible Duke... sing along blog it was called yeah with uh uh the dude that plays doogie hauser and then how i met your uh, mother right uh, yeah. neil patrick harris neil patrick harris and then um nathan fillion is in it too yep. so Brian, he's hitting all my sweet spots with everything right now. <laughs> Not only do we love the type of music that you do, but even the, I'm more of a nerd than Brian is, but even that <laughs> stuff that like, it's just, it's incredible all the things that you've done. And I wasn't joking when I called you a Renaissance man in the intro, because you like, you're, you're in everything. Yeah. yeah thanks. Well, you know, like I said, the rent's high. <laughs> it should be cheap because you have to go earthquake fire mudslide uh i don't know well i know we've got all those insurances too you know <laughs> well that's that's true luckily you don't have hurricanes yet but i hear the sharknadoes could be an issue there on the West yeah Coast. i mean that's sooner or later i mean if you're part of the sci-fi channel pantheon of of movies that's right there right sharknadoes mm -hmm. yeah well, and I did uh, work. I did work with Billy Ray Cyrus quite a bit, and he was in one of the Sharknados. So, I think everybody at some point ended up being in Sharknado, right? Yeah, I know. I need to be in one, man. They better make another one. Are you a horror movie fan? Yeah. Uh, what is your favorite horror movie? Um, probably, and this is going to be a weird one because a lot of people. Uh, didn't think it was that great but salem's lot what brian you remember that that was a yeah. tv series in the early it's freaked the shit out of me yeah yeah that kid floating uh, I mean, outside I, the, the book i was a real it. big fan of the book uh but and they they changed the vampire a lot in the movie but i still really liked it and i've heard that they're making another one so i'm really excited about that, that like a remake of the first like the original yeah, series it could be really cool yeah i, I had seen return to salem's lot not quite as good as the first one, but man, as a kid, like, again, we were all kids when that came out. The one, the kid floating outside the window, scratching at it with his nails still yeah. freaks me the hell out to this day. Yeah. All right. Two last questions for you real fast. What is the greatest horror movie soundtrack of all time? Uh, Well, well it's got to be Queen of the Damned because I had a song on it. You're, I see you. Yep. I see you on there. No, but that's a great soundtrack. Record. That is a really a great soundtrack. Yeah, that has um, is it Aaliyah? On uh, yeah, Aaliyah. Well, she doesn't even sing in it. She starred in the movie. She doesn't sing on the soundtrack. The soundtrack has like the Deftones. It's got four songs or five songs that Jonathan Davis wrote for the movie. You know, okay. from Corn. So it's yeah. got uh, it's got Orgy. It's got Static X. Um, yeah, it's that's a great soundtrack. It's Disturbed. A lot of cool stuff. And you're on the Punisher soundtrack as well, right? The uh, yeah. Thomas Jane whatever one. Mm -hmm. Okay. Dude, look at you. It's like the master. Okay. Before I send you off, I lied. I have two two questions. Again, it was okay. three, but now it's two. What do you like to do in your time off on tour? Um, I really don't have any. <laughs> because uh because I'm in any spare time I have on tour, I'm usually recording voiceover auditions underneath okay. a, a blanket. I bring a travel microphone and I put a blanket over my head so that there's no echo and I'm sending them back. So if, I mean, if I have a moment, it would either be playing video games or go see a movie or something. Okay. All right. So you do get pretty, some downtime and yeah, try to pretty, it pretty, uh, you know, pedestrian pursuits. Right. 
All right, you're a man of many talents and, and interests and things, so give us a guilty pleasure. Normally, I ask for a guilty pleasure song or artist, but I just want to hear, because you've got your toe in so many different waters, a guilty pleasure for you. For as an artist, like a, a guilty pleasure musician artist or? Guilty pl movie, TV show, game, music, whatever, just because you do so many different things. Like, what's a guilty pleasure for you? Well, I mean, I'm a gigantic J.R.R. Tolkien fan fanatic and i mean it was it was like the thrill of my life to be cast in one of the games i got to be uh an orc in uh lord of the rings rise to war so my that's my hobby is like studying and collecting middle earth lord of the rings jrr tolkien books artifacts items things like that have you read like the similar? I can't even pronounce it. Similarian. Yeah, I've read it like six times. Okay, that's a tough one to get through, man. Yeah, you got to be you got to be uh, dedicated. Did, what like I recommend to everyone is there's an odd. So one of the one of the big chunks of the Silmarillion is a story called the Children of Hurin, and um, then they published it later as a as a standalone book and went into a lot more of the details of the story. Christopher Lee, right before he died, he narrated the audiobook. Oh, no shit. And you haven't lived until you've heard Christopher Lee narrate an audiobook. It's the coolest experience ever with that deep, deep voice. Yeah, I mean he was in he was in the Lord of the Ring movies. Yeah. You know? Did you like the you know, like the Amazon series? The uh, was it the Power of the Rings? I think. Yeah, I mean, the, here's the thing. Like, I'm a fan of the books, so uh, you know, I watched each episode many times and just like picked it all apart. Uh, so I'm I'm looking forward to the second season. It didn't really have the same emotional impact as the Peter Jackson movies did. Yeah, but I think they really did a, a great job. I'm just um, I'm anxious to see what they're going to do next. I, I liked it enough. I thought it was a bit uneven in the plotting and some of the characters, like, cause we've saw, we've seen what the characters look like down the road or read about them and some of the actions that the characters took. I questioned, I think they were for right. plot reasons and not necessarily what you think that character would actually done. And that was all made up by the showrunners. It wasn't really Tolkien's yeah. work. They took right. like a few sentences that Tolkien wrote and said, let's make a whole series out of it. And it's like, okay, yeah. here we go. But I like fantasy shit too. And Lord of the Rings. So I'm, I'm watching it, you know, but uh, I think it's fine. Well, you know, it, maybe it's one of those else world's tales when they always do the comic book stuff. And like, you know, it's not Canon, but it's right. Yeah. All right, Jason, thank you so much for being on dude. You got to come back. I didn't even scratch the surface on most of the notes I had about you. I'll definitely come back. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah. Uh, where do we send our listeners to go find out more about you, shows, albums, tours, acting credits? I, if you can remember my name, and I know it's a mouthful, but JasonCharlesMiller.com has the links to everything. You know, to, And it does, because I'm on there right now. Music, shows, shop, bio, contact, gaming, acting. The man, Brian, he's the man of a million talents. You are correct. And before we sign off with you, this is, I usually don't make any uh, like wish wishes for a horror, cheesy horror movie show, but we have to have snakes on a plane flying through Sharknado. Oh, that's anyway, awesome. 
<laughs> I can... just watched. Sorry, Brian, I'm going to interrupt your closing. That shark exploitation thing on Shudder, where they talk about the history of the sharks in movies. If you haven't seen it, if you have a Shudder, check it out. And it talks about sharks. All right. All right. Thank you so much, Jason Charles Miller, for being on. The latest record is Cards on the Table. You are a Renaissance man. Thank you so much for coming on. We, we want to have you back on again and again and again. So thank you so much. I'd love to. Thanks, Brian and Jason. Thank you so much for our new friend, Jason Charles Miller, for being on. Someone we want to have him back again on again and again and again repetitively. Uh, a lot of great material there. And we're going to need several episodes to to get through everything else that he does. I wasn't lying when I said I just scratched the surface on my notes and looking at his website with all the different things he's done. Of course, number one is the great music. Like he's doing this, as we talked about, hard Southern rock thing. Like it's a, his music is like a hard version of Blackberry Smoke. So if you like Blackberry Smoke and you like harder edge music, like again, Brian and I are, are old metal guys, right up your alley. And then you'll find out all these other things that he's done in his career with gaming, video games, like just, I mean, that guy's got stories and things for ages, I'm sure. Well, not only the musical diversity going from, you know, like a, it was a super heavy industrial thing and then kind of getting into this kind of like Southern country heaviness. And we brought up, of course, you know, Johnny Cash doing the Soundgarden song, Rusty Cage and doing Hurt by Nine Inch Nails and everybody having respect for Johnny Cash, these, these heavier musicians. So it just, it's, it's, super and you know uh you know music guys musicians it's probably not too big of a surprise it could be uh you know video game nerds and we're putting a good positive spin on that um i don't know what else to say man it was just fantastic that disney thing we talked <laughs> about his song he wrote cruising for bruising from teen beach movie that i you heard have very personal experience with but that's his <laughs> biggest selling like song and Platinum. record that he was Platinum. on and even yeah, Platinum. He was on the, the Queen of the Damned soundtrack, which was Platinum. The Punisher soundtrack, which was Gold. Like, he, what we didn't get into, he had a song that was featured on the um, True Blood TV series about vampires that used to run on HBO, too. And that's that's in my notes that we'll have to talk about next time. So, I mean, great rock music, great soundtrack stuff, voice acting, video games, dudes at conventions for all these things. He... I don't think he was joking. He wasn't joking when he told us that he was too busy doing other things on his days off from touring. Yeah. And, uh, you know, now I'm going to be on a YouTube search, you know, looking for that first episode of the Osbournes as well. I'm totally going to go look for that first ep episode of the Osmonds. Uh, and if you haven't checked out that gamer girl country boy music video on YouTube, it's really funny. It's with Felicia day when she was doing that, uh, guild TV series. It's a perfect mesh of country dude, and the gaming community and how they can all be friends and date. And it's a very well done, funny video. And it has a cameo from one of the guys from Mythbusters in it, from Grant and Ahara, I think his name is from, do you remember the Mythbusters TV show? Mm -hmm. And if there's ever a horror movie where snakes on a plane flies through Sharknado, <laughs> we're going to expect Jason Charles Miller to, to he's been, do he's the music in, for that. Yeah, he's acted in sci-fi movies, Brian. And we're going to leave that thought in your head. Snakes on a plane flying through Sharknado. Always remember, Southern Rock is reverent. Blues is blood. We'll see you next time.
down by the river Another day panning for gold Can't even remember what I got to sell my soul Well, it's all kind of blurry Can't see through the haze So I'm down on my knees just praying for better days Well, I know it wasn't her And I know it wasn't money It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.